Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Indiana Athletic Trainers Association podcast, hosted by the Young Professionals Committee. The views and opinions expressed by speakers, guests, or others who have provided materials to and for this podcast are not necessarily those of the IATA. The IATA assumes no responsibility for nor endorses any of the comments, recommendations, or materials that are provided. Check out the IATA website where you can find a link to EBP Central, working in collaboration with athletic trainers to continue Indiana's tradition of excellence. Hi, I'm Amanda Rohde. Today, our young professional is Emily. Hi, I'm Emily McComb. I actually just finished my master's of athletic training at Indiana State University. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, and then our experienced professional is Mary. Hi, I'm Mary Eastep, and I am the outreach supervisor at Community Care Network in Munster, Indiana. All right, so today we're going to be discuss discussing um, documentation and conflict. So really focusing on ways that documentation can help us and hurt us um, when there is conflict uh, with athletic training. So um, Mary, is there anything you want to start off with right <laughs> from the beginning? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can just talk a little bit about how important documentation is. Um, it's something that as a system we put as a priority because we know and we have seen it go both ways, how helpful or hurtful it can be. Um, so it's something that young professionals and all professionals really should be aware of that documentation can impact you in ways you don't even think about. All right. So Emily, do you have any like specific questions about documentation for Mary? Um, yeah, so what are some things that as young professionals, what would we forget to document, you think? Yeah, so there's a lot. <laughs> um, so one thing is just in general, the detail of the note, um, that's really important. A lot of times, you know, we're in a rush. We've got several athletes in the athletic training room at one time. And so you're trying to hurry through a note and you're not really taking your time. And then, you know, three months down the road or whenever it might be, something comes up and you have to go back and look and you can't really get a clear picture in your head of what happened during that evaluation or with that interaction with an athlete. Um, so that's one of the big ones. Another one um, is a con consent to treat form. A lot of people don't even think about having a consent to treat form, um, which, you know, then you're liable right from the beginning that you even touch the athlete. Um, simple things like policies and procedures and EAPs um, that take a lot of time to create, but then are easy to update. A lot of people tend to overlook some of that stuff too. Right. Um, and then let's kind of talk about um, some cases or some different things to keep in mind. Um, so if there is ever an issue uh, with like the BOC or the NATA or state licensure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've seen this go a couple different ways. I've seen people that have not documented uh, very well. And then when they're called before um, one of the several, you know, the BOC, the NATA or state licensure, um, they end up having a hard time because like I said, they can't quite recall the events and the detail that they need to be able to. Um, and when they're really questioned on it or pushed on it, they can't, they can't recall it. Or if they try to recall it, then, you know, the next time they try to recall it, it's a little bit different. And then there's variance in their story. Um, and then I've also seen it firsthand where people have documented perfectly and it's completely saved them and it's um, stopped any um, kind of um, acquisition to like the state licensure board or NATA or BOC um, because of the amount of detail that their notes had. Um, another thing that I probably should have mentioned earlier, we encourage our athletic trainers in our system um, and I encourage everyone to document any kind of interaction that you might have um, with a parent, a coach, um, 
an admin person at your school, um, a volunteer, anyone, if you have a weird feeling about the interaction that you had, you should document it. Um, even if it's just like a quick little paragraph, hey, I ran into this parent today, they seemed a little unsettled about X, Y, or Z, and explain the situation. That way you have it documented. Um, we have a wonderful woman in our HR department and she loves to say that if it's not documented, it didn't happen. And I've kind of adopted that from her. Um, so same thing with our athletic trainers. If you have a, a, a strange interaction, you should be documenting it, even if it's not specifically with the athlete, if it's with somebody else, because that way then you have that to go back to if the parent said something they shouldn't have or administration did, or if you just didn't feel right about it. I have a question. So say you have an interaction with the AD or something and you you're kind of sketched out about it so you want to write it down where do you write that down at like you don't go into a patient file and write it down or would you write it down so if it's about a particular patient you could put it in the patient file just as like a general kind of side note um we have a basically kind of a word document that says who was involved what time it happened where it happened and then they just free type on it um and then we encourage that them to send that to us, their, as the supervisors, um, their athletic directors, or whoever might need it that's higher than them that it might come to. Um, you know, so if you have a, a strange interaction with a parent, let's say, maybe you send it to your athletic director and also whoever you report directly to, whether it's a physician or a supervisor or a manager or a director, um, just so that way they have it on file too. It doesn't mean they have to take action on it or do anything with it right away, but that way if a situation comes up, everyone's on the same page and knows that there's a history of what's going on. Well, would you recommend that, you know, athletic training departments have like a sort of blank form where athletic trainers can fill out that kind of information? Yeah, so that was one of the things when I first started um, that I noticed here, we had athletic trainers that were having these kind of strange interactions with coaches or different people. And so I just created a, a blanket kind of word document that says, um, I think it's called incident report or something like that. And it basically just has um, the athletic trainer's name, the people involved, um, any witnesses name. So like if it happens at an event or in front of other people, you can actually document like these are the other people that saw it occur, um, time, date, and then it's literally just blank lines for them to type on or handwrite on. Um, and then they can scan it in or email it to me and, and whoever else might need it. Yeah, so do we want to talk about some things that make documentation easier and some kind of like uh, tricks and tips to be better and more efficient with their documentation? Yeah, so the, the biggest thing is find what works for you because what works for you is not going to work for the next person. So find a system that makes sense to you, that's simple for you, and that you understand. Um, using things like EMRs obviously help. Um, I'll do a little plug here. We use ATS um, and we have been able to create templates in ATS that then our athletic trainers can pull up and can use. So that way they aren't missing some of those things that we don't even think about. Like, you know, did you check um, neurological function? You know, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But if that comes back in three or six months, you're going to think to yourself, did I, did I not? I don't know. So at least then you're typing in that template within normal limits and you can go back and look and say, yeah, I did. It was fine. Um, that sort of thing. Um, so EMRs are really helpful, um, whether it's you creating templates for yourself or using templates that the organization um, that you work for uses. Also just having general um, standard templates and different things like a daily sign-in sheet. We encourage all of our athletic trainers, encourage is not a good word, we mandate all of our athletic trainers um, to have a daily sign-in sheet. So 
every single athlete that enters that athletic training room has to sign in, even if they're coming in for a band-aid. Um, that way, again, three months, six months down the road, if someone goes to court and says, I went in every single day and this athletic trainer did nothing to help me, you could go back and you could pull the, that daily sign-in sheet and you could say, actually, you came in once in three months. You didn't come in every day. You didn't sign in. There's no record that you came in. You didn't write it down. It doesn't exist. Um, and put, I mean, and it doesn't necessarily have to be work on the athletic trainer, put that ownership on the athletes. When you walk in the room, sign in, or I will not treat you. I will not look at you. Um, that's, that's definitely a big one. Also just having standard, um, like templates for soap notes or for injury reports or progress notes. If you don't have an EMR that has those already in them, that can be really, really helpful and make it easier. Um, like I said, though, the key is one, staying on top of it, you should be documenting within 24 hours of when you see someone. And I know it can be hectic and crazy with our schedules and the number of athletes that we're juggling, but you're not going to remember as much, be able to recall as much if you're doing it five days later when you're putting in an evaluation. Um, so just really making sure that you're doing it quickly, um, like a quick time frame after you've done it or seen the athlete and then that you're staying on top of it. Um, same thing goes if you have an athlete that has some kind of chronic injury, but you're not documenting progress notes every few days. It's like it didn't happen and it's like they didn't come in. So you want to be able to show that, yeah, I was treating this athlete consistently and they came in and this is what we did. Find a system that works for you. That's my recommendation. And play around with different people. Reach out to your peers. There are so many groups on Facebook and Twitter and um, all kinds of websites that have different templates. I know like Impact has concussion symptom score templates. Um, there's some on the IHS on like the Indiana High School State Association website. There are forms on there. So there are templates out there. You just have to be creative and search for them and then don't be afraid to take something and tweak it to make it really your own. So that way it makes sense to you. So say you have a big football team that comes in or some big team that comes in like pre-practice and they all wanna use the heat pack. And then after practice, they all want to come get ice. Do you, like, how do you document that? Because I, I wouldn't want to go and each patient be like, this person came in for a heat pack, this person, you know. I recommend to a lot of our athletic trainers, um, and this is, again, just my opinion, not the opinion of the organization by any means, that you do keep kind of a handwritten daily sign-in sheet and then keep those in a binder. So that way you have them. You're not, you don't have to take the time to enter them into an EMR every single day. Um, if you're at a school that you have, you know, athletic training student aides and that they can do that, that's phenomenal and use that and do it and put it all in one place so it's easier. But if you don't, then just keep it in a three-ring binder at least so you could look back if you have to and you have that record. But I would definitely make them all sign in that they got, that they came in and received heat and ice both pre and post practice. Definitely. Um, I know something that I use at, at the school I'm at. Um, with the sign sheet is I do have very specific little check marks. So it's really easy for the kids that they write their name down. They even write down like what time they come in um, and then they mark, okay, yes, I did get a band-aid. Yes, I did get tape of, you know, just come getting their wrist taped. Um, yeah, I did get ice or I did get on the stationary bike, stuff like that. So the kids that are coming in that know what they're supposed to do and come in every day just for those little things, um, can kind of do that on their own. So I don't necessarily have to go and write up a full progress note every single time they do that. So that definitely saves me a lot of time. And we have kind of an Excel um, template that we use that we send out to our athletic trainers. And then kind of like Amanda was talking about, they tweak it to make it what they have at their facility, what they what resources they have. Um, so that way the athlete is just coming in quick. It's a quick check off, check off. And like I said, put a lot of the ownership on the athlete, not on the athletic trainer. You guys have enough things that you're doing in those busy athletic training rooms. <laughs>
So one of the very first things a kid walks in, they say, hey, Amanda, I need this. I say, did you sign in first? Yes, exactly. First question. Did you sign in? And well, you know, unless they're right. actively bleeding. <laughs> and you can sign in after we take care of the blood. Yeah. But, you know, usually it's like first thing they come in and be like, I need this. I'm like, oh, do you? Here's the sign-in sheet and then we can talk. And I think something that goes along with that is when an athletic trainer has pretty clear expectations and rules, you'll find it's easy, it's hard, and it takes time to change that culture. So if you're an athletic trainer that's just starting or that's going into a school that the culture is not to sign in or to not have rules in the athletic training room, don't give up. Like, you'll get there. Just keep pushing them and keep keep setting those boundaries and those limits. They'll follow them. They're used to it. Um, and that will really help with your documentation, too. Um, like, if they know... If it's not something emergent and you're on the computer and you're documenting that they need to give you five minutes or whatever, whatever it might be to allow you to have the time that you need to document things and to, and to make sure that you're staying on top of it, you've got to do. So don't be afraid to set those limits and those rules. Yeah, definitely. Something that uh, I do in my athletic training room is if I am typing up because usually it's for a concussion, I try to type those up right after I see the kid. And so someone comes in and they just need ice, like after practice, something like that. I'll say, hey, just give me the two minutes to finish typing this sentence so I can get this, you know, this chunk done um, before I you know, go out there. Because usually once I leave my office, I'm not getting back in my office for another like 15, 20 minutes because it was person after person after person. So just kind of making sure that the kids know that they can come to the office store, say what they need, ask for whatever, and I'll either get with them as soon as I can or, you know, finish, you know, finish typing this sentence, then I'll be right out there. That sort of thing. And the kids um, are, you know, they're good kids. So they respect that and they say, okay, and they go and they sign in and they sit down and they wait for me to, to get out there. Yeah. I think so many people just over overlook documentation because it's not the athlete in your face asking for help, right? Right in front of you. It's something that kind of lures in the back of your head. Oh, I need to document that encounter. Um, and then we kind of put it off and we put it off. And the next thing you know, it's the end of the week and you didn't document the encounter you did, you had on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. Um, so it's just, it's really important because I know you think that nothing, you'll never be put in a situation where you need that documentation, but people are crazy and you never know, <laughs> you never know. And so it's so important to just, to make that a focus, to protect yourself. So that way you're never in a situation that's even questionable. Um, one thing that I want to bring up also is like helping with, our documentation can help with communication between like the athletic trainers and the patient or the coach, parent administrators. Cause I know sometimes I'll have coaches come in and they'll say, Hey, did, you know, so-and-so come in and talk to you earlier in the week. They, you know, they had just mentioned to me that, you know, their knee was sore. Did they come talk to you? And, you know, I'm like, yeah, they did come talk to me, but what exactly did we talk about and try to, you know, if I have it documented, I can pull that up and, you know, and look up, yeah, this is exactly what we did. And this is what we talked about. And, you know, this is, what I told them, um, something that has also come up before in the past is I'll get an email from my athletic director saying, hey, did you tell, you know, this child that they shouldn't be in PE right now? Because they're trying to get out of physical education. And I'm like, no, 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 yeah. So Mary, you want to talk a little bit on that? Yeah, I, you know, documentation is something that it really can help a lot with communication the way Amanda was saying. Um, we have some school, we have, so we have 23 outreach locations with 30 athletic trainers just in our system. And we have every, every possible um, level of communication with school nurses and school officials. We have some that um, they will ask for our athletic trainers documentation if it's going to affect PE or affect a, a 
class. And um, so that always helps because we're willing to and vice versa, uh, vice versa. Uh, the nurse will email or call and say, um, you know, this athlete says they can't do PE today. Is this, is this true? But then they're playing that night, you know, or whatever it is. So it really can help. And like I said, if you, you know, if you wait days to do it, one, you're not on top of it. And then it's, well, did I tell them maybe they shouldn't do physical education? Did I not? Did I, did I say something that they might've then thought that or interpreted it that way? Um, so it really can, it can be helpful. And nothing against high school or college level students, but they're not retaining everything you're saying, especially if it's a first injury for them. They're scared. They're not, they're coping with a hundred other things in their mind and they're not thinking about every word that's coming out of your mouth. Um, so they might only be giving mom, dad, coach, administrator 25% of the conversation you had. So it's important that then you can go back and, I mean, you could print the note for the parent if they asked for it. You could go back and, you know, just so you know, and you can refresh your mind to be able to have an educated conversation with that parent, coach, administrator, whatever it might be. I mean, I was only at the high school once for a clinical site, and we definitely had that happen, like a kid, which doesn't make sense to me, because if you're an athlete, wouldn't you want to go to PE class? I mean, most of the time, but they <laughs> so. like, yeah, I can't play, or I can't do this in PE, but can I play in the game tonight? It's like, no, you can do both. Or none of the, or none. So just kind of the same things have happened. Yeah, definitely. And same thing um, going on to, I mean, if they're seeing a physician, the communication with the physician needs to be well-documented. Again, they're hearing a very small portion of what that physician's actually saying. Um, so the more that you can follow up with the physician, if you get sort of a vague note, the better, because then you can document it even better in your EMR or whatever system you're using um, to make sure that everyone's on the same page and it's really clear that you're following the guidelines that that physician has set. And that's got to be really important with like state practice acts um, and things of that nature for, you know, having that, you know, direct supervision of a physician and things of that nature. Yeah, so depending on the State Practice Act, obviously depends on the state. Um, Indiana, I like to say, has, um, it's pretty open. So as long as you're acting under a physician, athletic trainers can do a lot of things um, and have a, a lot of power, which is great because we are healthcare professionals and, and we deserve that power and we deserve that. Um, so making sure that you're aligned with whatever that physician's saying, and uh, it can be complicated, especially at the high school level when out of your athletes, you might have 20 physicians that you're, you're working with because they're not all going to the exact same physician, um, but staying on top of that documentation, that communication. Um, and if you have a phone call, maybe you have that phone call with a physician when you can sit in your office in the private and you can type notes while you're talking to them. You're also not retaining 100% of what the physician's saying. So if you're able to take some quick notes, that always helps kind of the key points. Um, but yeah, it really does. So that way, if, if there was ever something that was brought up against you, you could use, you know, this is the phone conversation I had with the physician on this date at this time. And these are the instructions I were given. Um, or this was the note that was faxed over. And this is how I followed it in these guidelines um, to really kind of cover yourself and, and, and save yourself. Mm -hmm. you have anything else to say, Mary? Just that, like I said, documentation really does get overlooked and it, it's so important because you always hope and think that it's never going to happen to you, but it could. And so making sure that you are protected is what's the most important because you don't want to, you got into this profession for a reason. You have a passion for it. You love it. There's some reason you got into it and you don't want to be taken out because of poor documentation because you couldn't prove what you know you did was right and ethical. So it's, it's just really important. And I know we don't talk about it and think about it enough. Any last thoughts or questions, Emily? I don't think so. 
All right, awesome. So thank you, Emily, and thank you, Mary, for participating in this uh, this little podcast production that we're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for listening to the Indiana Athletic Trainers Association podcast, hosted by the Young Professionals Committee. The IATA would like to thank elite sponsors, Methodist Sports Medicine and Community Healthcare System, and bronze sponsors, Grande Medical and Ultra Ankle. Be sure to follow the IATA on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube for information on any upcoming events.